Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this week's episode of Power of the Purell, the under-quarantine version of Power of the Towel, we break down the Vancouver Canucks' first-round playoff slash not playoff matchup against the Minnesota Wild. That is who the Canucks will be playing in this new 24-team format. We go over that. We talk to Sportsnet 650's Andrew Walker about his career and all things Canucks. And of course, we end the podcast with our usual binge recommendation. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of Power of the Purell. Yes, the under-quarantine version of Power of the Towel. I am your host, Nick Bondi, make sure to subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network wherever you get podcasts. Not only do you get this show, you'll get The Quickie, a daily hockey show hosted by Trevor Beggs. You get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talking Bullshit, Trevor Beggs, Cal Bowen, weekly, great show about not just the Canucks, but all of the NHL. And of course, Sipping on a 40, coming back soon, we all promise. Now, off the top, I mentioned the Canucks were going to play Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs slash not playoffs. And I say playoffs slash not playoffs because there's a bit of debate. Is this first round technically going to be the playoffs? I like Thomas Drance's argument on the VanCast. It's not the playoffs. Playoffs is 16 teams. Once you get past this round, that is the playoffs technically. This is the play-in round. So that's why I say playoffs slash not playoffs. I personally don't think this is the playoffs. This is the play-in round. If the Canucks win against the Wild, then they have officially made it playoffs, but not until then. So let's quickly break down this matchup. I mentioned it, of course, last week as well. Hey, I think I, I, I looking at the proposed standings, I thought it was going to be the Wild, but times are tough content-wise. We, gotta, we had to save it for this episode. So how do the Canucks match up against Minnesota? Well, Here's the easiest breakdown I could possibly think of. That's what we do on this podcast. We break it down as easy as possible. The Canucks obviously have the advantage forwards goaltending. Stalock and Dubnik have been kind of platooning starts this year for the Minnesota Wild. They haven't been that good. Jacob Markstrom has been good this year. So clear advantage in goaltending and definitely forward depth. Canucks have the advantage. Ilias Pedersen, Brock Besser, Bo Horvath, JT Miller, Tyler Toffoli. They have a solid top six. Outside of maybe Kevin Fiala for the Minnesota Wild, there's a bunch of guys who are good in NHL 09. You know, like the Zach Prizes, the Eric Stalls, the Ryan Suiters, all those guys. And I know Ryan Suiter isn't a forward, but still. You, you, you see what I'm getting at. The Minnesota Wild are an older team. A lot of guys, older guys on big contracts on the team. Even a guy like Matt Zuccarello who signed for some reason with the Minnesota Wild. However, before the pause of the season, Minnesota Wild were on a bit of a hot streak. They had won 8 of 11 before this pause. And of course, that 4-3 shootout win against the Canucks February 19th. As we're recording this, we should be approaching the Stanley Cup Finals. But hey, that's that's just the situation we're in. Can't do anything about it. But three months, has that hot streak kind of cooled off? Are they going to be that same team when they come back? That's a big question for it, not just Minnesota Wild, but a lot of teams. But I mean, let's, let's look at the forward death because I think this is how the Canucks are going to win this series. Defense, Minnesota's got them easy. Like, they've got a lot of good defense in 
Ryan Suter, despite me calling him washed up earlier, is still still plays a lot of minutes. You've got guys, other guys, Matt Dumba. I just want to say one thing. I apologize today if there's stuff like that. They are doing construction right across the street from the Posted Up Studios, and there seems to be every few minutes a giant jump dump truck just ripping down the street. But anyways, yeah, Minnesota has the easy advantage on defense, but forward depth is how the Canucks are going to win this series. Come on, look. Bo Horvat versus Joel Eriksonette. Give me Horvat every time. Brock Besser versus Zach Parise. Give me the flow. Younger, great shot. And Adam Gaudet versus Alex Galchenyuk. I know Alex Galchenyuk was a former lottery pick. But that was, what, eight years ago? Well, there's a reason he's been tossed around the, the NHL by like three teams in the past year, two years. Give me Adam Gaudet every day. That is how the Canucks can win this series, is the forward depth. That is, look, there's a great article by David Quadrelli out there for Canucks Army pretty much saying that Travis Travis Green is going to match Elias Pettersson up with that top Minnesota wild line all day and see if he can win that matchup. So it's up to those other lines, the Horvats, the Gaudettes, the second lines. You put Horvat and Besser on a second line, they'll tear up. It'll tear up the Minnesota forwards second line. Joel Eriksson Eck, come on. Give me Horvat any day of the week over Joel Eriksson Eck. As currently constructed in this playoff format, I think the Canucks pull off the gentleman sweep. Yes, the gentleman sweep. 4 1 Actually, no. Sorry. What am I talking about? It's a five game. So I guess the gentleman sweep would be 3 1. Yeah, we'll say 3 1 series victory against the Minnesota Wild in Edmonton, Las Vegas, wherever they're putting up this hub. But I think the Canucks can beat the Minnesota Wild. Now, I think if they win this series, they play the Edmonton Oilers. That might be a bit tougher. But Canucks fans, I think they can beat the Minnesota Wild in the five-game series. I'm pretty confident in that. And as promised, our guest this week is none other than Andrew Walker. Of Sportsnet 650. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. All right. So we now welcome on Power of the Purell, the under quarantine version of Power of the Towel. It is Andrew Walker of Sportsnet 650. He hosts the program every day with Sadiar Shaw, 4 to 7 p.m. Andrew, how's it going, man? Good, man. Thanks, Nick, for uh, having me on. What's going on? Uh, not much. I'm just trying to get through it. It, it feels like I'm in the uh, like Groundhog Day. Like Every day is kind of just blending together at this point, especially when you don't really have to work. You just kind of chill at home all day. Yeah, I mean, tell me about it. It's been uh, a, a couple of months now. So, yeah, ho- hopefully not too much longer. But, but uh, yeah, no, but it's good that you have the podcast to keep yourself sane. Yeah, this, this has been the one thing I can at least do throughout this whole thing. Now, you, as coming on my show, I consider you a friend of the show now, and I will defend you online whenever <laughs> possible. But you have a bit of a reputation right now as a Toronto guy. But I, I, I want to help. I want to help remedy that. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to denounce all things Toronto, sports teams, <laughs> whatever. The floor is yours. Oh man! Well, I mean, listen, I'm I'm not I'm not a I'm not a fan, so I don't I don't denounce or promote anybody. Um, I think I think that's all overblown. I think it's a little overrated. I've I've been in Vancouver for for three years now. Um, you know, people are going to say what they what they want to say. I I just kind of call it as I as I see it. Um, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot. It's um, Especially right now with with no sports, it's it's just really tough for passionate fans to ever understand that uh, you know a guy in my position. I don't like. I just don't own jerseys. I don't uh, wear pajamas of any team to bed. I don't. I don't care. Like I I care. I I want the Canucks to to do well because it's it's great for our city. It's great for our. Uh, economy is great for a radio station. It made interesting to talk about. You know, a return to the playoffs would be would be awesome. Um, but yeah, at this point, if, if people are gonna, you know, uh, zero in on the fact that that for 
literally 7% of my life I, I worked in, in Toronto. I mean, I can't, I can't help those guys. I, I, uh, I always say this when in our business, when you get really good at what you do, they offer you a show in Toronto because it's major league baseball and it's NBA and all kinds of stuff. So I, I did that for a few years and I, and then I chose to move out here to Vancouver for a reason. So, so, but counterpoint, I'm calling you on a 416 area code number right now. I think if you were a Vancouver guy, you would get that number fixed. You would change it to a 604 <laughs> or 778 area code. Why? What's Why? the What's the reason behind What's the reason behind the 416 area code? I think there's still uh, I think there's still like a connection to Toronto there somehow. You don't want to let go uh, well, quite yet. If, so you probably don't you probably don't remember this, but there was a day where um, your area code really mattered because of long distance, and you're on a long distance package, and you could only phone your your five favorite people on your list. And uh, it's 2020, so it doesn't matter anymore. So um, I didn't want to go through the hassle of changing a number. My number is my number. Also, um, Toronto is famous because it's the six, because of the 416. Apparently, now uh, I don't, uh, I don't know this, but apparently, 416 number is really hard to come by. It's like retro, it's a throwback. So people would be like. Wow, how did you get a four one six? I have it because work gave it to me. Okay. Anyway, okay, so, so you you've kept it for the clout. I kept it for <laughs> I kept it more because I'm lazy and I and I don't need to. I'm not going to go about getting a new number and then I have to give everyone a new number. They have my number. It's fine. Now you have my number. Yeah, exactly. But it's I'm, I'm just saying like p- people are going to look for stuff like that. And you say you're not a Toronto guy. You have a four one six area code. <laughs> the people are going to find little reasons Nick, to nitpick you. Nick. Nick, why, why are you having me on? You're, you're grilling me, man. You're grilling me with my phone number? Is this what's going on? Yeah, that's exactly why I had you on. I just wanted to get, get a good gotcha question in right off the bat. Well, I do have a 416 area code. That, that is accurate, yep. Don't worry. I will not dox your number, and I will not tweet it out or anything like that. It's safe with me. <laughs> okay, let's get, let's get into a bit. I, I know. Let's get into a bit more Canucks talk. Now, the big story recently has been Judd Brackett. Now, I know Sat's done some great reporting on this recently on your show. What's, what's the latest, in your opinion, with the Judd Brackett situation? It sounds like, from Sat's reporting and everyone else's reporting, they're going to split up however, however long that takes, whenever their contract's officially up, because who knows with this pandemic when the contract's officially up. But in your sense, like, how did it get to this point, and where do the Canucks go from here with Judd Brackett? I mean, listen. I, I think Jed Rackett has, has done some good work. I think he's, uh, I think he's an up and comer. Um, I think this whole narrative, this whole story, is uh, it's it's important. It's unfortunate, but it's crazily overblown. And everyone, I, I think, Canucks Nation is is really bored and and biased. They want to, you know, they want to give credit with everything in the organization to. To someone that they can latch on to as a, as a hero, and that's and that's Judd. A- at the end of the day, all of this is it's unfair to everybody, and this is kind of what um, Elliot Friedman had mentioned on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, the Canucks look bad because everyone is piling on, but also Judd Brackett looks bad in all of this, and it's not his fault. Um, but there's there's a lot of rumors and innuendo and and you know misinformation being spread around. Bottom line is this: it would it would be great if the world was perfect and everyone could work in in harmony. And, it, and it's just not it's just not how it is. This is a, a normal thing. Organizations, uh, you know, move on from various staff all the time. I I challenge the fan base a little bit on our show, and I'll, I'll do the same to you, Nick. How many head scouts around the NHL can you name? You can name the the one for your favorite team, and not one more for any of the other thirty teams. That's, what about Montreal? Trevor Timmins. See the head scout? Okay. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, well, well you, okay. All right. Well, well, you got one, which is one more than uh, than almost everybody. The, the point. The point is this: um, it's unfortunate, but it's not. It's not cataclysmic. People, um, you know, people want to have it out for for Jim Benning. It's 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 unfortunate, but it's really no big deal. Judd Brackett's going to move on. He's not going to, you know, be the the next GM of Team Canada next year. It's. Uh, what do you want me to say? He's not responsible for all the good picks, just like Benning's not responsible for all the bad picks. This happens, you know? Everybody, everybody is re- replaceable. Like, Sat and I are really good at what I do. 
And guess what? If, if one of us moved on somewhere and people spent a few minutes getting outraged, everyone would move on. That's just how it is. Mm, but Okay, so I'll agree with you on the point that I think it's a bit more overblown than it would be because of you know the situation we're in and there's not really much to talk about. Everything's kind of in limbo. But I think it's still like a story that people should discuss. I had Sam on my show like in January and we discussed it. I had Patrick Johnson on my show in February and we discussed it. So I think it's a story. I mean, you can definitely argue, like you said, has it been overblown because of the situation we're in? Yeah, you can easily make that point. But I think it's still a story that should be discussed that, hey, let's look, let's consider that the Canucks' big success in the Jim Benning regime has been amateur scouting. And one of their most important guys in that respect is leaving. If, sure, sure, it's a, sure, it's a story. Um, and, and, and we've discussed it. And like you said, Seth's done some, some great reporting on it. Um, it, but it is what it is. I mean, it, at, at this point, um, at, at this point, teams make, teams make changes. Scouts come and go all the time. Uh, I, I like Judd Brackett. Is he the most important guy in the organization? No. So you're allowed to be a, a fan of Judd. Um, if you really want to burn your jerseys and give up your season tickets because one of your scouts is uh, probably leaving. I, I, I don't know what to tell people. I guess that's up to them. So it sounds like from the reporting that Sat's done and everyone else that he's gone. Like, where do the Canucks go from here in terms of amateur scouting? Are you, are you confident that, you know, it sounds like John, and I don't know how true this is, like the whole behind the scenes, John Weisbrod is trying to take control of amateur scouting, but are you confident if Jim Benning and John Weisbrod sort of take control of that amateur scouting department that, they can have success like finding a Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, not with a, not with like a top three pick or wherever the Canucks go from here. Like, how confident are you that Jim Benning can turn around amateur scouting without Judd Brackett? Because he seems to me from the outside a pretty big piece. Uh, I'm I'm pretty confident. Um, I know people like to poke fun at Jim Benning and John Weisbrod, and and I don't uh, I don't think they're the they're the greatest hockey guys in the world, nor do I think they're they're idiots like people try to make them out to be. Uh, Wisebrod's a, a pretty polarizing guy, um, but it's time for people to stop pretending like everything's going to fall apart in mm. the scenes just because one guy in uh, in, uh, in, a, in a cast of many in a front office is going somewhere else. Uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of John Wisebrod, I'll admit, um, but he's not a, he's not a moron, and neither is Jim Benning. They'll be just fine. So, speaking of Jim Benning, Harmon Dial of the Athletic wrote, it's been the six, it's been six years, if you can believe it, since Jim Benning's been hired as a general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. And he gave Jim Benning in his piece in the Athletic a C plus. First of all, is if you were, think back to when you were a student, would you be happy with a C plus grade? A C plus, a mediocre grade in your opinion? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 grades are, grades are a lazy way of, of evaluating people. I, what I look at, I look at Jim Benning and, uh, has he made mistakes? Sure. Absolutely. Every, everybody does. And he's, and he's certainly made some, especially in the early part of his tenure, but that's the risk sometimes you take when you put, um, someone new in a position that's never done it before, right? This is an organization that, that believed in Jim Benning and trusted him. And you're not going to come in and just be unbelievable right away. Hey, sometimes you are. Maybe you know those are those are hockey savants. I think it's the same in in any profession, right? Like Sat will tell you. I'll tell you the first time that you know they slapped my name on a show and said, "Here you go." Mistakes were made. Um, the how I evaluate it is not you know letter grades, but are you learning from your mistakes? Are you adapting? Are you getting better? Are you uh, um, do you surround yourself with, with good people collaboratively and do you improve? And Jim Benning started out as a house on fire, not in the, not in the good way. And I do think this front office has gotten progressively better as, as time has gone on. You can always, like the best GMs in history, if you really want to make some big bracket with all their mistakes, you're able to do it. Um, but I think lately... Um, Benning has, has done some good work. Um, and that includes, and, and it's really easy to say, Hey, you can't give him all the credit. There's lots of other guys at play. Well, it's the same thing with drafting and, and Judd mm-hmm. Brackett, et cetera. I love the JT Miller, man, the JT Miller trade. I, I think it's brilliant. Um, you can argue about credit all you want, but 
they they got Quinn Hughes and they took um, Elias Pettersson and they have those guys in, in the fold. Adam got out was a nice pick. They trade they made the, the trade for Tyler to Foley, which uh, I mean, hey, who knows what happens going forward? But I I like the I like the move. I thought it showed balls. Fans seem to like it. I think Jim Benning, if you say one thing, he's he's adapted. He's learned from his mistakes. I don't think he's necessarily stuck in the mud like an old hockey guy. Um, so as long as you're showing continual and improvement, um, I, I'm okay with it. I like I don't think he's the best GM in the world. I don't think he's the worst. I think he's somewhere in the middle. And I think judgment is coming soon. Right? This is a team yeah. now that I'm not going to judge it based on whether they make this fake playoffs or beat Minnesota in this series. If that's going to be a thing. But after that, that's it. Like now, now you're being judged on winning. Now you're being judged on on making the postseason. So uh, I, I think it's I I think right now Jim Benning's getting a a passing grade. I think he's he's right in the middle, and we have yet to judge. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. And just speaking from my personal experience, when I was going to SFU Business School or trying to get in, I was a master of getting. C plus grade. So I think I know a few things about the C plus grade and how I ended up getting C plus grades is I would be failing after the midterm and then I would cram my ass off, get a B and end up with a C plus. And I think that's a somewhat a parallel to Jim Bending's tenure up until the Elias Pedersen draft that lit that draft pick. Was he failing? Yeah, probably like the whole, you know, retooling on the fly, trying to fill the age gap was not working in the slightest. And then, like you said, he makes you know, the Quinn Hughes pick, he manages to pick up Tyler DeFoley, Tanner Pearson, JT Miller. So since that Elias Patterson pick, it's been a lot better. But the first sort of half of his tenure still makes it a C plus grade. Yeah, listen, he's at he's at the poker table and he got down early and now he's gotten back to even. And and, you know, you can give him a lot of credit for the for the Pearson deal. But that just makes up for the Gabranson deal in, in the first place. So at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's breaking even. Um, but I, I do think Jim Benning deserves some credit for how the scouting department has, in, has, in, has improved. And, and I'm not saying that, that Judd Brackett, this guy that, again, has been just blown up as this figurehead for Canucks fans. But, you know, Judd, Judd Brackett's in, improvement and impact kind of parallels Jim Bennings as well, right? Like, like, mm. like the 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 head of the organization is going to take some heat, but he deserves some credit too when things go right. It, absolutely, and you mentioned you mentioned the Minnesota Wild a bit earlier. That's who the Canucks would be playing in this. First of all, do you consider the this play in round the playoffs, or do you could you have to win that first round to make the playoffs? Um, if. Uh, if it goes ahead as uh, as planned, like like you know what what this this play in thing is, if they if the Canucks lose to the Minnesota Wild in a best of five, no, they did they did not they did not make okay. the playoffs. But I'm also I'm also not going to judge any team by by what they do in this in this fake playoffs. I'm not a big fan. So are you are you are you one of these got people who thinks that this cup is a giant asterisk next to it? Because we we've got we've got a few hashtags for the Next Misconduct Network that I want to get your thoughts on. Because you are a bit of a you like to play the heel. I feel a bit like on radio. So here are a few hashtags we've got for you. All right, let me know what you think of these. Embrace the hate or the Fugazi Cup. Which one do you like better? Embrace the fake uh, Fugazi Cup. What? What? Uh... Fill me in on Fugazi again. Fugazi is like fake. It's a Fugazi. Uh, in, <laughs> well, I listen. This depends on. I know Canuck fans, uh, like a lot of them, like to relish in. For you, you talk about me being a villain. So a lot of Canuck fans like to relish um, being hated on by by other people. So maybe, maybe listen. If the, if the Canucks go on a, a deep playoff run and there's a huge asterisk, maybe it's exactly what fans want. I I don't know. Maybe they want you know, to return to this uh, us against the world type of thing. Um, I, I do think there's going to be a, a big asterisk to it. Um, I think that, that it's, I think it's going to be a bit of a joke, but I could be wrong, right? I think it depends on two things, what the game looks like 
Um, you know, the, the integrity of the game is, does it, how long is it going to take for it to actually resemble the Stanley Cup playoffs? And B, are we going to see a true champion? Um, you know, I want to see the, I want to see the, the good teams that deserve to be there be there in the end. And I know once in a while there's a Cinderella run or an eight seed makes it, but like, we know who the contenders are and we know who the contenders aren't. And yeah. I don't want to see the Montreal Canadiens or the Chicago Blackhawks get hot. I, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, mean, I agree with you that it is a bit of that. It'll have a giant asterisk next to it. But when the Canucks play the Minnesota Wilds best of five, what do you, what do you, do you like the Canucks chance in that? Cause I look at it at a very basic breakdown and I see, Hey, the Canucks four depth and goaltending is definitely a lot better than Minnesota, but I would say Minnesota's defense is a lot better. Like, how do you see this potential series going down if it if it gets to this point? Yeah, I mean, everything being equal, I I like uh, I like Minnesota's defense a lot better. Obviously, I mean, Quinn Quinn Hughes is such a game changer, but I like Vancouver's top six. I like Markstrom over Dubnik, and then I like Minnesota's D. Everything being equal, if both teams are playing middle of the season. I give us. I definitely give a slight edge to the Vancouver Canucks, but again, like I, I don't like these guys have been off for months. Um, who you know? Who? What? Which team is in better shape? Which team? What? Which team's give a crap meter is going to be higher? Like that? You know, in, in normal times, I would give a slight edge to Vancouver, but I don't know what any of this is going to look like. So if they come out and for whatever reason Vancouver is just not ready to play and and they can't do it and minnesota beats them i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and and say that the rebuild the failure in in vancouver because i just don't i just don't put a lot of stock into what we might see in august yeah absolutely and i think what a lot of people are not really thinking about when it comes to the resuming play is what like i know bill daly's come out and said you know if there's a positive test like that's not going to stop anything like we're going to keep on going but at the same time, like there's yeah, a there's we, a good we don't know. yeah there's a good chance that the the NHL could start up again, get to and then get get a bu- bunch of positive tests, and then they have to abandon the whole thing. Like that is a very very real possibility, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure it is. Um, you know, we've seen, and I know we've done a pretty decent job here in in Vancouver, for instance, and in, in you know leveling the curve and cases are going down. But people are talking about a second wave. We're seeing. Um, you know, stories coming from the weekend in, in Toronto and people are being idiots. And so cases are going to, you know, zoom up there again. Like we're talking about 31 NHL teams with um, support staff and players and coaches. And so we're talking hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of, of people. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Um, it's going to be difficult to keep everybody safe. It's going to be difficult to test everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be difficult to keep, everybody in line for months at a time so yeah that it, it's a it's a huge red flag that is goes right along with with the the question of the integrity of the sport right there's two separate issues here yeah absolutely and i remember reading somewhere that they're talking about like not having like any scrums after the whistle or no fights or anything like i guess you can easily police fights right but like no scrums, like you know someone's gonna take advantage of that. Someone's gonna, oh no scrums. Okay, I'm gonna run the goalie, and no one can do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it'll happen exactly like that, but it's another thing that I just, I don't know, man. I, 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 I just feel it's gonna be like summer shinny, right? I, I feel like it's gonna be we're awarding the Stanley Cup like it's the BioSteel Cup. You know, or yeah. or, or, NH, or NHLers playing in Kelowna every yeah, year. Yeah, well, when there's no crowd, that takes a lot of the energy out of the of the playoffs. Like we've never experienced anything like this, and I can I can bet you that no crowd in the Stanley Cup playoff game is going to feel very very weird. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna feel really weird, and I know I sound negative towards this, um, I, and I realize that you know there's a lot of money at play, and they want to come back no matter what. Strictly as a hockey fan, as a hockey purist that has, you know, no financial equity tied into any of this, I would love for them to shut down this season and I would love for the ne- for next season to begin as normal in the fall with everybody zero and zero. That's what I want. Um, is that? But I, I don't know if that's realistic. And even in the fall, how different will, will things look? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And that's, a, that's another good thing. It's, if hockey 
gets played in August, and then the like we, we're we're at the point now where not only this season but next season is going to be affected as well, right? Because there's no way I think at this point you can start a regular season in October and play a full 82 games, like and you know do draft free agency. It's just not possible. So we're at the point now where yeah. two yeah. seasons are going to be affected, right? And you know, and, and to me, it's kind of it, it feels like it's robbing Peter to pay Paul a little bit. You know, you, you do your best to get in this one, and this one is affected, and then that affects next season as well. But next season might be affected anyway. I don't know. You know, like that—that's the frustrating part of this is that none of us really know until, like, until there is a vaccine for for COVID, and who knows when that's going to be. Everything's going to be a little different, um, and it's up to individuals to decide. Okay, do we want to? live in a world of, of different um, or do we just want to be patient and uh, and just wait for things to be safe and, and get back to normal before we go headlong into this and and you know to me and I know there's there's the NHL's a business like any other and, and people do have jobs in it but I'm just so much more fixated on you know the businesses in our city and our neighborhoods and and people's employment and all that kind of stuff um, I can I can wait on sports, man. I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not desperate unless this is completely hammered out and and completely safe. Um, I don't need to see the COVID cup being handed out in September. Well, what are you going to do for your your show from four to seven every day? Oh man, we talk about lots of stuff. You know, we uh, we've been doing this for two months. I've actually never enjoyed the show more. I love talking about hockey. We still do. We have good guests, but. We have fun, man. We can talk. It's basically a podcast now. We we have a lot of laughs. We do a mailbag. We uh, we talk a lot of hypothetical stuff. We're always coming up with new creative ideas. Um, and, and I and I get it. Sometimes people just want to hear. Um, people just want to hear about the game last night. And there's no games to talk about. But um, I don't know. We have we have a lot of fun with it. It's uh, it's it's guy talk. It's great. Yeah, just got just guys being dudes on the program. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Feels like every sports. Speaking of just like you know, come up with new. It feels like every kind of sports podcast, radio show, whatever, has to be talked about the last dance. What were your thoughts watching the last dance? And I'm not just. I just want to hear your regular thoughts. I know a lot of hockey podcasts are going. Oh, who's the NHL version of Michael Jordan? Just what were your thoughts on the last dance? Uh, I, I I liked it. I loved it. It brought back so many memories. I was in I was in high school watching. Um, I, I mean, I vaguely remember the first three titles, and I certainly remember when Michael Jordan went to play baseball. And then I vividly remember the last three titles because I was in I was in high school then, um, especially the, the last Jazz series, especially the the Sonic series. Um, so it brought back a lot of memories. I wasn't a Bulls fan, like I watched in I watched in awe of what they did. Um, but I would always cheer for the team that they were playing because you wanted to see a, a, a monumental upset. I especially cheered for the Sonics team um, that, that played them in the final. I loved Camp and Peyton and all that. So it was very cool. Um, Jordan was he, he came he was he was more intense and more of a of a hard ass, I guess, than than I remember. Um, I wouldn't say my my respect went down. My my, my respect athletically for Michael Jordan has, has never been higher. Like that guy's a, yeah. a crazy competitor. Um, I think that, I mean, I, I think like psychologically, I think we all are a little insecure in certain ways. And I think even like, even a guy like Michael Jordan um, has his insecurities. And I think his insecurity was giving someone else credit or recognizing that, that anybody could make an impact on his life, whether it was Carl Malone or Gary Payton or, or whatever. Yeah. So I, 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 I roll my eyes a little bit at that. I think that probably, um, you know, things that he did probably sacrifice some respect and some friendships among his peers. But again, he was right in saying, um, yeah, but you know, anyone that's going to be overly critical, like that's the price it takes to, to be an ultimate champion, which he was, I, I thought it was really well done. Um, I thought they were a little hard on Jerry Krause. Well, yeah, yeah. It's pretty easy but, to be yeah. pretty hard on the guy when, you know, Michael Jordan's like pretty much an executive producer and there's no way for him to defend himself. Right. Yeah, so I, I thought it was a little low blows. But I thought it was really well done. I I like I loved every second of it, man. It was great. I just I just like 
Okay, so I'm I'm 26 years old, and like Michael, last my only real vivid memory of Michael Jordan actually playing in the NBA was when he was with the Washington Wizards. Which, by the way, he's done a great <laughs> job of just kind of wiping that from everyone's memory that he like played was involved three seasons with the Washington Wizards. But what struck me the most is how much this guy apparently he was just like the ways he found to like motivate himself to like play better and just like the smallest things and also. Let's and in today's NBA, if a player hated their GM as much as Michael Jordan apparently hated Jerry Krause, he would have just demanded a trade, right? Like, there's no way like any NBA player today is like so caught up and so petty that he's just gonna give a giant middle finger to his GM and like win all these games to spite his general manager. Yeah, ge- generally, um, I mean, we've seen we NBA we have seen guys stick with their, their same team for a, a long time. Generally you're right, but Jordan was a little different cuz he came in, you know, as such a as a rookie and, and he I guess he basically felt that the, the, the franchise was his, right? Not not Jerry mm-hmm. Krause. So, yeah, you're right. He wants he tried to win those titles even to spite people in in his own organization. Uh, and he didn't want to be labeled a, a quitter by demanding a trade or anything or anything like that. Um, you're right. I think, I think 99 out of a hundred guys would just say, Hey, get me out of here. We see it all the time. But I, I, I do think that Jordan was just built differently. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into a bit of your career now. I know you're not officially a Toronto guy anymore. We have officially cleared that up, but how did Andrew Walker end up working at Sportsnet 650? Like what was the career path that led you to Vancouver? Uh, well, from the very beginning, I mean, I grew up, I got, I have two younger brothers. I grew up in Saskatchewan, born and raised. And, um, we, See, I was we under the impression every- you were from Toronto. Yeah. yeah the people I mean, on, everybody pe- everyone's just, just, everyone's just ripping on you for being a Toronto guy. I'm glad we've cleared this it's, up. It's so lazy. It's so stupid. I've talked about it a lot. It's just, you know, I don't know people are going to hate, hate because I, I, again, hey, I haters going to hate years that. At, at the biggest radio station in North America, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, but born and raised in Saskatchewan, um, I went to, uh, I, you know, coming out of high school, I kind of took a shot and I figured that maybe I, I could, you know, be the guy on on the Sportsnet sports desk or the TSN sports desk reading the highlights. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that anymore, but coming out of high school, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so I went to this broadcast journalism school and uh, – and from there, I got my first ever job. I was 19 years old in a little town called North Battleford, Saskatchewan, I guess, or, or a small city. And I was doing news reporting and reporting on the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League a little bit. That was in uh, probably about 2003. Uh, and from there, I moved to uh, Red Deer a couple of years later. And, uh, and that's when I finally uh, got to crack into sports full time. And I ended up uh, being kind of the sports guy at a couple of radio stations. And uh, we did the Red Deer Rebels broadcast in the WHL. So I worked in, in and that's when, uh, you know, Dion Phaneuf was there and Colin Fraser and Cam Ward had just gone to, to the pros and uh, a young Brandon Sutter was there. And, you know, that was Martin Hansel. That was kind of the, the guys that were there back in the day. And so I was there for about six years. And, and uh, again, that's where I made my mistakes. That's where I got better. That's where I did all this kind of stuff. And then I finally got into what I do now, like sports talk in, uh, in Calgary in, 20, in 2010. Right when the Olympics were starting in, in Vancouver, I moved to Calgary and, uh, and started kind of my first ever, you know, long-form uh, sports talk show that wasn't like, you know, sports updates or something like that. And I did that for... Um, a few years in Calgary, and then, um, and then actually, how the how the story goes, it was interesting. So it's twenty, it's twenty thirteen, and uh, I got approached by uh, by ten forty here in Vancouver, and uh, and they they wanted me to come out and uh, do the show with with Bro Jake when they went down that avenue. Um, I don't know if you remember. Oh, that. I, oh, I remember. Yeah, so I flew out a couple of times here to Vancouver and, and I met with um, the 1040 guys and, and some of their staff and their managers and everything like that. And, and, uh, and yeah, so I was going to, I was going to, I was going to move to Vancouver um, seven years ago and do the show with, with bro Jake. And they offered me a contract and I was going to accept it. And then when I was sitting at home in Calgary, kind of mulling it over, um, I got a call 
um, from Sportsnet in Toronto, and they said, "Don't don't go there. Stay within the company and and come to Toronto and 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 work here." And so uh, and so I I accepted. <laughs> I, I went I went to Toronto, I, and that was that was the shot, right? I mean, that's where the Raptors are. That's where the Blue Jays are. It, that's you know the Fan Five Ninety is is legendary. Um, so I. So I did. So I, I went to Toronto and, and I, I worked on a, a bunch of different shows there. I had my own show up until 2017 and uh, covered the, the Blue Jays and the playoffs and all kinds of stuff like that. And then, and then um, if you remember in, in 2017, that's when um, Sportsnet decided to, there was an opening to get in there and buy the Canucks rights. And so they did. And they, uh, they bought the frequency Sportsnet 650 and they signed the deal with the Canucks and kind of scooped 1040 on it. And uh, so they were going to start up this radio station really quickly. And Craig McEwen was the boss here. And, and uh, he, for whatever reason, he liked me. He, he targeted me. He knew I was from the West. And he kind of wanted to start the radio station with me. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we, we, we discussed it. And, and I, like, I love my time in Toronto. But, uh, you know, I, I, love, I love the West. I have friends here. I have family here. And I thought it'd be a cool challenge. So, um, you know, I got offered a contract to, to start here and, and I accepted. So I moved out here in 2017 and that's where I've been. Uh, that's where I've been ever since. So, yeah, it's, I, I think in this industry, you just got to be willing to, to move and, and uh, use leverage and, you know, take contracts where you can get them and, and try to improve and look for new challenges. And, and so, you know, that, that's where I am right now. And this, is, this will be the, the third year. Uh, the third year at Sportsnet 650, and we have yet to see the Canucks in the playoffs. And you know, I, hopefully that was going to happen this year, but then this all hit. Yeah, well, now now you get the uh, the Fugazi fake playoffs. So I, I yeah. guess I, I guess that's a bit of bit of a bit of a consolation prize. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the the, the one good thing about this all, like I, I separate professionally with myself as a fan because as a fan i'm more of a purist i care yeah. about the family you're a, you're a big j I, journalist I, you want you, you let me guess you cheer for the storylines no it's i don't even mean that i just mean a purist in the sense of um like if i was a like i, I care about the stanley cup i love that it's the hardest trophy to win i'm very protective of our game things like that uh, and and to me if i was a fan of a certain team i i wouldn't want like if I'm a Canucks fan, I would feel uncomfortable if the playoffs didn't resemble the playoffs, and then the Canucks won the cup. Oh, I wouldn't like, have. I would not have a problem at all. I've I've long said on this show that it's only a fake. It's only a asterisk fake COVID cup unless the Vancouver Canucks win it, and then it's a legitimate cup. I'm talking my shit when the if the Canucks win this this COVID cup. Well, yeah, okay, but you're just admitting to being hypocritical on that. I just think it's. I, I don't know. I, like, who knows? I could be wrong. Maybe the playoffs start and they look great and they and they remind us of the normal playoffs and everyone's okay with it. Um, that that would be great. And so, as a fan, I don't want to see it. Professionally, the one thing I know is that everyone's going to be very excited for it to come back and it's going to be on TV and because no one's going to go to the games, obviously. So everybody's going to be watching and we're going to talk about it. So professionally, great. Bring it on. As a as a fan, like if I was a mailman and not a sports radio host. I don't want to see hockey this summer. Not at all. Like, start again in the fall. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. So let's get over it. Let's go over a few of your career highlights from your time in Vancouver. First off, what are you doing with all this free time now that you're not watching every single NHL hockey game out there? <laughs> oh, man. Um, boy, killing, killing time when I can. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad that summer's approaching so I can at least, you know, barbecue and hang out in the patio and stuff like that. Um, but I've watched a lot of Netflix and Crave and Amazon, and in fact, I'm kind of I'm kind of running out of stuff to watch, to be quite honest. Um, okay, what have you been uh, binging recently? That, uh, the most recent, I hammered through uh, Jack Ryan on Amazon. Oh, okay. That was all right. Um, but I've watched, man, I've watched pretty much everything. Like now, I'm last night I watched uh, The Arrival with like, from 1994 with Charlie Sheen, and it was so crappy. But I'm just I'm I've I've watched all the movies, so now I'm like watching old crappy ones. But I try to go for runs as much as I can. Um, I'm getting you know longer and longer. So on Saturday I ran over all the way to, to North Van. It was like a 17k run, so that was cool. I'm trying to see more of the city that way. 
but otherwise, um, yeah, that's about it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm going a little out of my mind. I'm a little bored, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I still get to work, um, you know, from home and stuff like that. And, and so I'm trying to, you know, count, count my blessings, if you will, but I'm catching up with friends. I'm glad that restrictions are being eased a little bit so you can kind of sit in the park and have some beers with, with whomever, but, uh, but watching a lot of Netflix and, going for runs and and just and just chilling out as much as i can i've been uh re-watching the sopranos that's been my big big binge oh yeah that's 80 80 some episodes i know riccio is doing the same oh nice yeah hey I, I forgot how bad some of these late like i love the sopranos it's probably my favorite television series ever but you can tell later in the series like there's some storylines where they just kind of shoehorn them in because someone at hbo said hey we need like six more episodes this season yeah, I know it's it, it's tough. Um, those early those early shows that are so good, it's sometimes dangerous to rewatch them a little bit. It's the same rewatching old games, right? Like like especially um, in the early part of the of the century. Like, oh, I remember this game, and then you watch it, and you're like, oh boy, that's not as good as I thought, or that player wasn't as good as I thought. Because when you're younger and you watch anything, you just appreciate it more. I think, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So. Here's another question from your time at Sportsnet 650, your time here in Vancouver. Have you figured out what our relationship with corn is yet? <laughs> as, as, have you, have man, you been able to crack that, that puzzle yet? Man, I, I just throw some random I throw some random thoughts on Twitter sometimes, and, and uh, I don't know, people, people run with it. And uh, especially, you know, when, when, when Botch was around, um, he would really take stuff and, and run with it. And I, I don't, I don't think take things, you know, personally. Right. So, um, I don't, yeah, I, I like literally, and that was almost, I remember that it was almost like a test. Like I just like, I threw a random thought just to see how people would react. And all of a sudden people like you hate the corn industry. Like it was so <laughs> stupid. It's so stupid. But you know what? All that stuff is. Now that I know you're from Saskatchewan, like what's your beef with corn? Like that's a big industry, like out in the prairies, right? Like corn. I, I don't even remember what it was about, man. Like I don't have any I don't have any beef with corn. I don't have any beef with with anything. <laughs> like there are very there are very few things I, that I really really or people that I really dislike on this planet. So honestly, yeah. just reading it right now, it sounds like the beginning of like a bad stand up bit. Like what is our relationship with corn? Yeah, don't really man, make it at home. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of. I was probably I was probably a few beers in watching the game. That's that's a lot of what I what I do is the beginning of a bad bad stand up. Basically, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And one another thing I want to ask you about is the time Keith Olbermann tweeted at you. Now, in your credit, you took you you tweeted out you took the L, which I was very. A lot of people in that situation would try and double down and try and you know, hey, no, I'm not wrong. You graciously took the L, which takes a lot. But I'll defend you on one thing. He said, he, okay, I'm reading the tweet right now. Heads up, Canucks and Sportsnet. A fan has wandered onto the intermission set and is staring at the camera to see if he got his money's worth out of his $19 haircut. And you are kind of giving like that blue steel Zoolander look. But here's, I'll defend you on this. I don't know where Keith Olbermann is getting his haircut in Manhattan, but $19 for a haircut seems like a very reasonable price. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? It was, uh, I don't care. Like, it's... Uh... Here's here's the only thing with the Olbermann thing is that if you do a TV hit like I the, and the pictures he took yeah I, I look stupid because when you take a still shot of someone on TV all you got to do is click your camera a hundred times and you will find pictures where they look stupid like that's just how it is bad lighting uh, bad lighting weird facial expressions all that kind of stuff so he took a bunch of pictures and he has a million followers and and he and he, and he posted them whatever that's fine make fun of me all you want. Um, the only thing about the Olbermann stuff that, that bugged me, not, not that I'm sensitive, but like, I, I laughed it off and then I kind of waited for the DM of like, Hey man, like just giving you a hard time and it never came and it never, and it never came. Like he just decided like, yeah, Keith Olbermann's a a big deal. And he just kind of decided I'm going to punch down on this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to try to make him look stupid and then move on with my life. Which I just don't really, I don't know, I just don't really respect. I'm not, you know, I'm not embarrassed, I'm not hurt by it. I don't care. Like, a guy with a million Twitter followers, you know, put me on blast. That's cool. I, I can take it. But I just, I, this is what I think, though. Keith Olbermann doesn't know me. So, 
he does he wouldn't have known that I don't give a shit. But I know a lot of guys in this market, um, yeah, some guys even at our own radio station, that if he would have done that to them, it would have broke them. Like, you know, they couldn't have handled oh, it. Oh, spill the tea. And, spill the tea. Yeah, and 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 to me that uh, no, I, I'm not even. That's not even being critical. It's like some people just can't take embarrassment, can't take criticism, and and but Keith Oldman didn't know that. So like, what if I was one of those guys? What if I was one of those guys that you know that happened, and all of a sudden I wanted to quit, or I wanted to you know hurt myself, or like you know shit like that. And so he doesn't know that. So like for on his part, it's bullying. And he's just lucky he picked someone that doesn't give a shit, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And that, that is what this podcast is going to focus on now. It's justice for Andrew Walker. We will get, we will get Keith Olbermann somehow, eventually, no. one day, to message you to apologize. No, forget. We need to do something similar to him now. We have to, fi- we have to take some pictures of him on no, SportsCenter or something no, like man, that. I, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I, don't about, uh, I don't care about Keith Olbermann. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll we'll talk about this uh, off air. I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can figure something out. <laughs> so sorry, we got a bit off track there. A few more Canucks questions. I know you got to prep for your show. Jacob Markstrom versus Thatcher Demko is a situation where I think could be pretty interesting. The fact that hey, are are the Canucks going to? I know they're that he's our number one priority, but with the upcoming, you know, everyone's talking about this upcoming cap crunch. With Thatcher Demko, you can get a pretty good deal out of him. You can sign him for cheaper, and he can be on your books cheaper for presumably longer because he is a bit younger. And, and would you, would you try and you know see if you can move on from Jacob Markstrom and go with Thatcher Demko right now? Is it absolute priority that Jacob Markstrom needs to be resigned? Because I'm looking at some future contracts that need to go up. You know, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and I think. Are the Canucks in a position where they have the luxury to spend this much money on a goalie? Because he's gonna his salary is gonna be at least five mil a year against the cap. So, do, are the Canucks in a position in the future where they can spend five plus million on a goalie? And we've seen like how bad these goalie contracts past you know thirty can look. Like Sergei Bobrovsky's already his contract's already like nine more years and it's already looking terrible. Um, yeah, listen, I, I don't have a, I don't have a direct answer, um, because, um, well, I would, listen, I would re-sign Jacob Markstrom and I would continue to have Thatcher Demko as the backup goalie because he's young and unproven and, and maybe Thatcher Demko will be a star one day and maybe he'll just be one of those goalies that bounces around. Jacob Markstrom is a true number one NHL starter and this team would be screwed without him. Um, he, he's your guy. And it's just, I know it's really popular for fans to, they just love anybody that's young because they see the potential, they see the ceiling. If you, I, I get it in a, in a cap world, it would be wonderful to let Jake, Jacob Markstrom walk, give a million and a half bucks to Thatcher Demko. And then all of a sudden Demko explodes and he's your starting goalie and you're not paying him any money. That would be great. But is Demko any good? Like it's a huge gamble to take. Yeah, it, no, it, it, goes, it absolutely and, is and a goes, huge. And if it goes south, yeah, if yeah. it goes south, then 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 your lack of goaltending um, undermines your entire team. So it's not a it's not a risk that I'm willing to make. I I do everything I can to get Jacob Markstrom signed. Like I'm not giving him seven years and seven million, but I want Jacob Markstrom to be my starting goaltender for the next three to four years. Absolutely. Yeah, if there was no absolute like salary cap restrictions right now with the Vancouver Canucks, I'd sign him as well. But I'm just looking towards, you know, some they still have guys like Lou Erickson, Brand Sutter on the books. They have to re-sign Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. I'm getting anxious. Like I would love Jacob Markstrom as well, but I don't know if you can necessarily commit resources to a goalie. And like we've like goalies to me are almost like running backs where running backs are becoming in the NFL, right? It's very, it's a very almost disposable position. You don't want to tie up that much money into a goalie. Yeah, but it's not, the difference is, the difference is it's not disposable. Um, we, we can argue about the importance of a running back. You can't argue about the importance of a goalie. We can talk about um, how much do you want to pay a goalie? Absolutely. But without a goalie, you are screwed. Without a running back, you're not screwed. 
Okay. I think you're starting to calm my nerves a bit on this Jacob Marks from Thatcher Demko because I'm just looking at the future salary cap and I'm and I'm getting anxious. Like if if a big Jacob Marks from deal prevents us from getting you know pieces around Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, I'm going to be worried. I'm just going to say it. Sure, but you got to listen. You Jacob Markstrom exploded into a top tier NHL goaltender. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Ab- absolutely, you, you've calmed my nerves. Thank you, thank you very much. So you mentioned you mentioned prospects and like and I'm and as I've gotten older, I've kind of become more disinterested in prospects because, like you said, it's almost like the blank slate theory that you can pro- you can go wild with these projections. And you know, project anything you want, and they can be anything. That's why I wasn't too bothered when they traded a guy like Tyler Madden for Tyler Toffoli, yeah. right? Like, if you want, if you, if you can get a sure thing like Tyler Toffoli, just by giving up a guy like Tyler Madden who may or may not become someone like Tyler Toffoli, why not make that trade? And what I'm, what I'm trying to get is, I know your thoughts on Olio Levy. I'm not a big fan either, but. Like, what do you see Ole Levy's future with the Vancouver Canucks? I don't think he's going to be anything more personally than like a bottom pairing defense. I'm just not very high on the guy at this point. No, if if Ole Levy ends up playing uh, bottom pairing minutes for the Vancouver Canucks, it's a huge win. Huge win. Ole Levy is just right now he's the forgotten guy. He's uh, he's a middling. Forget where he was drafted. He's a middling prospect that can't stay healthy. Uh, and the NHL, this is the one mistake that fans make with guys like Ulevi and Triampkin and, you know, Jonathan Dolan and ever you go down the list. People don't realize how hard the NHL is. It is the best league in the world, and you can't just, oh, give him a chance and he'll be able to play. It is so hard to be good, and guys guys fail all the time. Um, so, yeah, to me, Ole Ulevi is he's out of sight, out of mind. Like, if, if he plays any games for you at this point it's a huge win he's never going to live up to to where you took him in the draft this is a guy that's been passed on the depth chart so you know and he has no trade value uh only 11 to me is just it's just irrelevant right now he's a he's a depth piece that has to get healthy yeah and only 11 to me seems like that prospect and we see it all the time and not just hockey but all throughout sports that just that prospect that young player who just can't stay healthy for whatever reason, and their body fails them. And it's not necessarily all Ole Levy's fault. He just seems to be one of those prospects who can't stay healthy. And when you get injured a lot, especially through these crucial development years, that's that's a big issue. Like sometimes as a professional athlete, your best ability is being able to stay healthy and being able to be counted on from the coaching staff. If a, co- if a coach knows you're healthy and you're ready to play however many minutes every game, that's a huge. That can be huge for your career. And Ole Levy, as of now, doesn't seem like he has health on his side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, it's not his fault that he gets injured. It's not Brock Besser's fault. He's been injured every year. It's nobody's fault. Um, it happens, but it's it's a reality. You can't be blind to it. When a guy is consistently hurt, like Joffrey Lupul was, like Sammy Sallow was, it takes away from his value. That's just how it is. And when you get hurt it's really hard to come back stronger, right? You always lose something every time you're on you're on the injured list. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been at this a while. I've just got one more question for you. You have a bit of a reputation in this market, and I appreciate it, of someone who likes to play the heel. Now, I'm trying to, you know, start this podcast. I'm trying to get a name out there. How do I – give me some tips on playing the heel. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the thing is, like, I didn't necessarily – choose to to be the heel i you found your way into being a heel and you've done a very good job in my opinion i was very like i i chose to move here i loved i love this city um i chose to move to vancouver like i moved all i moved my life across the country to work here and to cover the canucks and and to be on the airwaves right so like i that was a choice that i made and uh off the bat and i think part of it was uh was part of it was the Botchford stuff. Part of it was um, a couple of, of of assholes that like you know dug into my Twitter and wrote articles about it. Um, people just I don't know. I didn't choose to I didn't choose to be the villain. People just appointed me that. And whatever you know, I, I just ran with it a little bit. Our station is filled with a lot of super nice guys, and you can't have everyone being super nice all the time. 
So yeah, I just, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a nice, I'm a nice guy. And in reality, I'm, I have a time of day for everyone. I like to think I'm kind and generous and all that kind of stuff. I can be a little, a little bit surly on uh, social media because, you know, a lot of people are, are idiots on there and I don't really have time for it, but yeah, the whole, the whole villain thing, man, it's just, I didn't make it up. Everyone else did. And, and that, I, I, that's fine, I guess, you know? Um, but if you want, if you want to play the heel, I don't know. Like I, like I generally don't, don't say stuff I don't believe in. Um, I guess I'm just, yeah, if you want to play the heel here, here's what you do. You have to eliminate being a, a, a fan and that's just kind of what I've done, right? Like when you're a fan, when you're young, when you love your team, when you believe the colors, when you own the jerseys and you own the pajamas, you're always going to stand for your guys. You're always going to defend your guys. And I, I just sorry, are you calling me a pajama boy right now? Uh, no, I'm. I'm saying, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm saying that's what fans are, and that's and that's fine. Like if I say, hey, I think that uh, you know uh, Max Domi's a bad player, like. What's going to happen? Every Montreal Canadiens fan is just going to lose their shit on Twitter. That's how fans work. It doesn't matter if you're right or not. So if you want to play the heel, you just got to let go of the fan stuff a little bit and just call it like you see it. Like, I don't – like, listen, I, like, I, I'm not trying to be – I'm not trying to hate on everything Canucks when I say I think Brock Besser is overrated. I think Brock Besser is overrated. He's hurt a lot. Um, I don't think he's a – I don't think he's a he's – a, he's, a, he's like this – I don't think he's on the same level as Elias Pettersson and, and Quinn Hughes. I think he's a complimentary piece. Yeah. You think he's tradable? Him. Yeah, sure. Right? Like, I, I, I think he's just okay. You know, I took a lot of heat for this, but I think he's Michael Ryder. He scored 30 goals a bunch of times and had a nice career. I'm not trying to insult everybody, but fans, fans don't want to hear that, and so they get upset. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be negative. You just call it as you see it. I think that I don't think Nikita Triamkin can play. I don't think Ole Levy can play. It's not being not being negative. It's just you know I I I, I refuse to sit here and and dream about the possibilities when reality is is right there. So I, I I think that I think that fans don't like to hear realism. They want to hear fantasy, right? And so if you want to be a if you want to be more of a heel, you just gotta lose lose the fandom and and give people the reality of the situation. Plus, also, so what you're saying is, I need to move out to Toronto for a bit and then come back, and then I'll automatically be the heel. Hey, man, if if you get offered a job in Toronto, you you jump at it. So that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. Thank you so <laughs> much for coming on this podcast. Thanks for taking time out of your day to do this, uh, and hopefully, we can have you on again. Hey, man, no worries. Anytime. Good, uh, good, good question. You gave it to me early. Yeah, no, I try to I try to I try to start with the grilling just so to kind of warm you up, trying to get you prepared. Anyways, thank you so much for doing this. All good, Nick. Take care, buddy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right. Thank you to Andrew Walker of Sports at 650 for hopping on the podcast. He is, a, again, he is officially now not a Toronto guy. Stop, stop tweeting at him. He's not a Toronto guy. We've officially taken care of that. Now, my binge recommendation this week, last week, I recommended Kendrick Lamar's Two Pimp and Butterfly or any album that takes you back to a certain place or time. I've been getting more nostalgic for past albums recently just because I want to escape. I want to feel, you know, go back, go back in time. So this week, I have a specific, specific album recommendation for you. It is Kanye West's third album, graduation now in terms of all time Kanye West albums I think you have to rank My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy as number one if you say anything else you are just you're trying to troll you're trying to get a reaction of someone I've always said 808s is his best one second best one sorry graduation I would I would argue is his third best album and what I love about it is 
it combines what, in my opinion, some of the best album best, best elements of his two first albums in the call dropout and late registration. You still get those sped up samples in graduation that you had in the call dropout. You still get that orchestral stuff from late registration you get in graduation, but you also get more synth, more electronic sampling. Let's be real. First time you heard of Daft Punk was probably because of Stronger. That's the first time I heard of Daft Punk. I was 13 years old when the song came out. It's a great, it's an absolutely great album if you go back and take a listen to it. I would say Drunken Hawk Girls, pretty bad song. Other than that, it's full of just full of great, great, great songs. Stronger is obviously a good one. Has my personal favorite ever Kanye West song, Can't Tell Me Nothing on it. Sixth track of the album. Has also solid songs like Good Life. It's just, honestly, it's just an amazing album. And you want to talk about legacy. This one, this one has a great legacy as well. It went up, if you remember this, it went head-to-head with 50 Cent's album. I can't remember what it's called. I think it was, sorry, it's called Curtis. Yeah, it was the one after The Massacre, the one with Lollipop and everything. Huge, huge deal at the time if, if you look back. And in terms of sales back in the day, yeah, it was based on record sales. Kanye West killed him. Generally considered the end of the gangster rap dominance in mainstream hip-hop. You want to talk about legacy? I've said, I said when I did 808s and Heartbreak that you don't get Drake and Kid Cudi on any super emo, emotional rappers about 808s. You may not get it with Graduation as well. This was an album that, hey, he's not talking about you know selling drugs on this album at all. It's just generally good music. Super introspective songs like Everything I Am. Definitely influenced him for his next album, for sure. He was in, he got, fun fact, Kanye West went on tour with U2 right before his album, helped inspire his album. He wanted to create more anthematic, I don't even know if that's a word, anthematic songs to put out there. And I think he did it. As long as these songs have a very big, grandiose feeling. Another album that makes me, takes me back to a certain place, I know a lot of people say late registration is better. I've always been a fan of graduation. Again, it combines the best parts, in my opinion, of his first two albums and adds a bit of electronic sampling in there, a lot of synth. Hey, think about how many rappers, producers out there use a lot of digital synth drum machines. That starts, that starts in part because of this album. Anyways, that is this week's episode of Power of the PRL, the under- quarantine version of power of the towel i'm your host nick bondy make sure to subscribe yes subscribe to the nux misconduct network wherever you get podcasts spotify apple wherever we're everywhere not only get this show you'll get the quickie daily hockey show silky and filthy puck talking bullshit with cal bowen and trevor beggs and sip it on a 40 coming back in short order Once again, I am your host, Nick Bondi, for the Next Misconduct Network. Thank you for listening. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Ooh, we're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-patrollable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.